0: The following Art Trap production has been made possible in part by subscribers like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com slash art trap. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Welcome to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, episode 10. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper, across the pond. Hello, Dave.
1: Oh, yes, and I'm so happy to receive this National TV Award from you, Lewis. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, really good of you to give me that award. Thank you very much.
0: You're quite welcome. Welcome. Also with me, also with us, I should say, is Graham Sheridan, also known as the Second Doctor. Hello, Graham.
2: Oh, and I got second place. I've been diddled that me awards, just like Doctor Who. <laughs>
0: Never mind, batch. Well, we should explain that as we record this right now, there's the National Television Awards, is it, going on? Correct, right. yeah. In the UK, Doctor Who was up for, well, uh, Doctor Who-related it was up to was up for two awards. I know Doctor Who itself was up for a drama award, and as well as um Matt Smith was up for a um, I guess best actor or best
1: drama performance.
0: Best drama performance.
1: But and unfortunately, we've already had bad news in the drama results. Did
0: Benedict one? Uh, not, um, is it Benedict or Cumber- no, Cumberbatch? No, 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 no.
1: That's for the drama performance. In the drama, it was Doctor Who, Sherlock, Shameless. Waterloo Road, and it won't be spoilish because by the time this show goes out, people will have heard online And Waterloo Road won that
0: all right so for those since uh we're covering British science fiction, I don't think Waterloo Road is science fiction, and for those in the u s that may only be you know may maybe only be familiar with Science fiction stuff in the UK. What is Waterloo Road? Is it a?
1: It's a drama about a secondary school or a comp- uh, junior high, as you might call it, okay. about the teachers and the schools. Uh, but it's done as a sort of uh, a bit of a melodramatic soap of the events that go on in the school.
0: I see. So have they gone? To, have they gone to? Um the actor awards yet or is that still hasn't uh, happened the yet?
1: drama performance has not happened yet but okay. um w- one thing that I- we might have breaking news from
0: dave as as we record this <laughs> indeed
1: yes the in between have of one award and i'll just shout that out for my friend ian the sixth doctor
0: okay i'm assuming he's a fan <laughs> yes <laughs> All right. Well, we're here and we're talking about British science fiction. It's uh, January of 2011. So um, our first show of the new year. So Happy New Year, even though it's the end of January now. So we're probably all tired of hearing Happy New Year already. <laughs> but, um, be that as it may. and. Uh, and, you know, and speaking of just before I forget, because we, we do have some doctors, we have some British sci-fi news, but one that relates to both. Well, it relates to British science fiction. And before I forget is um, since it is January, we're weeks away, is that next month because we may not have a show before Gallifrey 22, which is um, well, actually about three weeks from now or so. At that event, we have a new guest announcement, which is. Jacqueline Pierce, who should be familiar to all our listeners, uh, if you're a fan of Blake Seven, especially, or Doctor Who, or she was uh, well. First, let me get Doctor Who out of the way. She played a character in the Two Doctors, Jacine, I believe. Was that her name? Yes, Jacine. <laughs> and yeah, you've
1: got two g- Jacqueline, Jacqueline Pierce good.
0: fans here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she was a g- <laughs> she was an angry man, an <laughs>
0: a very hungry one Sorry, God. Yeah. <laughs> with shock eye so yeah The Two Doctors is a classic Two Doctors story which stars not only Colin Baker as the Sixth Doctor but the late great Patra Troughton. Patra
2: Troughton, yes. That's the second so, Doctor. Yes. Uh, sorry. I've been trying to resist doing that all day.
0: <laughs> well, and also starring in that episode is Fraser Hines, who will also be at Gallifrey 22. So it'll be interesting to see uh, those two kind of talk together, maybe reminiscing about the two Doctors. I'm trying to think if there's any other people that are going to be at the show but no it, it, um.
2: apparently Georgia Moffat's been added as well
0: apparently uh, no
1: no that's what I heard it was only
0: it's not, the not on the website it hasn't been announced it's not
1: on the website
2: no.
0: so I, I think that's just a rumor
1: yeah, yeah it should be a little bit made <laughs> delivering yourself I would have thought <laughs>
0: by then yeah, let's not talk about deliveries. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's pretty exciting, and uh, and also uh, we are forgetting probably what she's most known for when it comes to British science fiction is her part as Servalan in the classic Terry Nation series, Blake Seven, which maximum power. <laughs> she played the villainess Servalan Cerver, uh, there, which, as I said, was a. Uh, Blake Seven was created by Terry Nation, who should be familiar with you. Um, If you're not familiar with Blake Seven, if you're a Doctor Who fan, he was responsible for creating the Daleks and other um, Doctor Who stories as well, but most prominently known as the creator of the Daleks. Unless you argue with me and saying, no, Davros is the creator of the Daleks, or maybe...
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, we're not starting with that, we're talking about the person who put the pen to paper. Did Davros and, and,
0: put the pen to maybe, paper? Or uh, maybe Ray Kuzak? you could say he's the creator of the Daleks. Yeah,
1: And to misquote Mis- Sir, yeah. Lan, to misquote Servalant, Graham, we could rule the galaxy together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. You'd be dead no, in a fortnight. I'm, yeah. <laughs> No, i would be off in the, uh, the enters. <laughs> uh, all ORAC, right. get that thing sorted, will you, mate? We're out of here. Um,
0: <laughs> so I, I just, before we go on, I just wanted to say the date. It's February uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th, and We'll be, uh, well, Dr. Hupachuk will be there. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi will be there. And the Sci-News Driver will be all there as well. So we're, uh, for Dr. Hupachuk fans, we'll be uh, listeners. We'll have uh, a live show there once again. And also we're having a meetup there on Thursday night, which is the eve before Gallifrey. And you can come and join us there. And uh, hopefully um, you know, we'll have as many people related to the show there as well. So you can... Um, Interact and mingle and talk with us and just have a lot of fun. We'll be doing some recording at the meetup as well for a future episode.
1: Breaking uh, news. Breaking, oh, oh, breaking news. news. Here comes some. Um, uh, no, it's uh, not science fiction, but a lot of sci-fi fans, people who like British uh, programs would like to know that in the factual program, Top Gear has won. So that'll be... Some of my uh, friends will be rejoicing about that. But, um, no, and I voted a, against it. <laughs> uh, there's a, a little bit of a, a tinge of disappointment, though, with uh, your appearance at Gallifrey, isn't there?
0: Is that, well, there's what always you know, disappointment with my appearance anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Why should Gallifrey be any different? I'm not saying anything, <laughs> listeners. I'm not saying anything.
1: I'm talking about
0: uh, uh, James. I have 40,000 letters. Oh well the, the situation is that if we can't uh, afford, well right now we're not in the position to afford to bring James along we, I can't even bring myself there but somehow I'm, I'm managing to get there so unfortunately we can't pay James's way and, until uh, hopefully if we can raise the funds to do that through sponsorships or what have you then um, James won't be able to attend because he can't pay his own way it's an expensive trip and, and realistically I can't pay my own way either but you know we're going to try to make it all happen but uh, as a Right now, yeah, James won't be able to attend unless we can raise the funds to do that. So, um, if you're a uh, listener to Doctor Who Pachak, I urge you once again to, um, if you're not already, to become a Pachak supporting subscriber and help, you know, so help the show so we can bring the whole show to Gallifrey and, and other events. We got we have requests to do a show um, to, you know, bring Doctor Who Pachak to. Um, Chicago, TARDIS, and that would be great too. And um, it would be great to do um, Swansea and all these other shows as well, you know. But everything you know, traveling costs money, and we just don't have the money.
2: It's a pity because you know, I'm sure Dave will be wanting to get to uh, out to Gallifrey this year.
1: Well, uh, well, as he and (laughs) Six Doctor puts it very sympathetically, we want Dave to get there soon before he's dead.
0: Uh, Oh please! (laughs) Hopefully, you know you don't have to. That's not a concern for you. (laughs) Besides, you are a time lord. I mean,
3: just regenerate.
0: That was the good news as far as, um, you know, us appearing at Gallifrey. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can get James there. If not, then that is sad news, a tinge of sad news there as well. Uh, But in other sad news is that, well, I think before I I go on, maybe I'll have Graham step in here, that there's been a delay in one of the Doctor Who DVD releases.
2: Yeah, and it's one of the ones I was really happy um, and was really chuffed that was going to come out. Ambassadors of Death. Unfortunately, has been delayed. It's it's due to ongoing restoration issues. Now, the thing is, the story but only existed in the BBC archives in a mixture of formats, which was the original problem. And most of it was only on black and white 16 millimetre film. And we only had one episode that was completely in colour and had no problems. That was the first episode. Now, there are two other surviving episodes in colour, but they were brought over from WNED Channel 17 in Buffalo, uh, which are obviously going to be recoded um, versions in Never Twice the Same Colour, or NTSC. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's for episodes five and six. Now, that leaves another four of the episodes, the seven-parter, left to be restored, and despite them getting a new machine to help them on this job, apparently it's now Uh, looking that the... uh, the, It's just not going to come out this year at all, which means the box set that I mentioned
0: uh,
2: has been pushed back to uh, 2012 at least.
0: Yeah, uh, that is disappointing.
2: The box set, the solar system will probably be taken the the same way, unless they're just going to release the Sun Makers on its own. So... Start, that or I'm just crossing my fingers that the crotons will be brought forward.
0: Yeah, I was hoping when you said delayed, I was hoping that maybe it was just a few months and maybe it was coming out later in the year instead of earlier in the year. But now, as yeah. you say, the,
2: the fact is it was supposed to be one of the final releases for 2011. See. So the, the fact that they're saying this at this point now and they're looking at still looking at the end of 2011 to get it done and it wouldn't have been out in time means there's a lot more work to do on this than they first thought probably so it's a lot of a big of a bummer uh, because it still means that the original Series 7 isn't going to be complete which I was kind of hoping so we're going to have Peter Davison complete this year but uh, unfortunately Series 7 which is the only series with um, the one Dr. Liz um, isn't going to be complete Bit of a bummer, really. Mm. So, well,
0: let's hope it's you know just a delay and it's not a denial. You know, hope we'll we'll get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Even if it's black and white, guys, come on.
1: <laughs> now you you mentioned Liz there. Is it perhaps a good point to mention her little bit of news?
2: Right. But that's we're talking about another Liz, who's actually called Sarah, and not the character of of Liz.
1: On you, go, Dave. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just to say that, uh, and this is from uh, Gallifreynewsbase.blogspot, uh, Elizabeth Sladen's author, autobiography is going to be out in April. The three three 320-page hardback book will tell the story of the woman behind Doctor Who, most enduring character, of course, Sarah Jane Smith. And uh, it should be published by Aurum Press, that's A-U-R-U-M, on the 25th of April, 2011 price 17 pound in uk money that's about uh 25 i suppose and it's going to be called who's that girl autobiography by elizabeth sladen and there's also another book that they will be by the same p- publishers called the man who invented the daleks the strange worlds of terry nation by alwyn w turner
0: cool
2: cool so moving on for. So. British sci-fi and talking of things that were originally BBC but aren't anymore. Red Dwarf coming
0: back. That's the other thing that I okay, we were talking before the show about <laughs> what we wanted to talk about, and I'm saying in my in the back of my head, I know there was something else that we needed to talk about, and I'm searching through my notes and all that, and I was couldn't find it, and that's what it was. Yeah. Yes, yeah, there was... Uh, um,
2: so the, yeah, Lewis is searching through his notes, was looking for Red Dwarf, could only find F-sharp <laughs> and uh, D-minor, and uh, which was really frustrating, but uh, yeah, Red Dwarf is coming back absolutely
0: brilliant. Now, now this was uh, a slip-up, wasn't it? Someone had said yeah. something in an interview somewhere and kind of spilled the beans. Do you think
2: Robert Llewellyn, who plays Crichton, don't you? I mean, really, because he's the guy that does the slip-ups. He's the the guy that's out there on Twitter putting it out there
0: for you and doing the slip-ups and stuff. But he confirmed it, didn't he? On either via Twitter or his website or his blog or something.
2: I mean, he he can. Well, there's many places he could confirm it. He confirmed it. Um, Yeah, even though it's supposed to be a big secret, Craig.
0: Hello? Uh, we lost We lost Graham. Carl! Uh, yeah, oh, you're okay. back. It, on his website. Uh, it was no, Craig. We lost you after Craig.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so Craig Charles let slip in an interview yesterday that the new red dwarf was definitely going to be made, and castmate Robert Llewellyn has since confirmed it on his website. The whole point was that I was not going to say anything, says Robert Llewellyn. Uh, Doug... Naila that is the co-creator told me face to face don't tweet this Bobby not yet (laughs) so I didn't I was really good I said nothing I said nothing, Mister David, sir. Then I spent a day <laughs> in my voiceover cell and knew nothing of the interview Craig had done on the radio. So, well,
0: uh, w- wasn't it Llewellyn that first broke the news about the the mini series, if you will, the mini the, the most recent yes. um, Red Dwarf thing? So, yes, it's not yes. surprising that people just assume it was him.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he, he was uh, Craig Charles was appearing on the breakfast uh, show on Real Radio where he revealed they just commissioned another series the Red Dwarf. We're going to film at the end of November, December and January. That's this year, mm-hmm. which means we're going to get it next year. 2012. Because uh, uh, you've got... Uh, Robert Llewellyn says, you've got to love him. He knows how to spin the scoop, continues Llewellyn on his side. I've just spoken to Craig. He was unusually gloriously funny about it, he said. And I quote, I did a radio interview, and it's just the sort of stuff slipped out. So, yes, we are making a new series, commissioned by Dave... Not a special or a movie or a one-off doobry, but a full six half-hour episode series of brand new shows.
0: And we so, should explain that when you say Dave, we're not talking about Dave Cooper, we're talking about Dave, the channel the, or the network. <laughs>
2: the channel, Dave. <laughs> there's a, within the UK, there's, uh, since the digitization of the TV network, uh, there is a channel that's uh, out there. Um, Named it's,
0: after the, our the, own very own Dave Cooper. <laughs> it's blokes,
2: blokes channel so to speak the blokes the men's channel and you get repeats of uh doctor who's repeated on there occasionally but uh red dwarf definitely uh top gear so you get the
0: sort of the yeah idea it's, not, it's in the u.s there's a cable channel called spike which is uh kind of geared for the blokes as well
1: yeah and one thing to add in there as well that dave been very kind to robert in the uh they're now showing his carpool uh show uh people who've probably found that on uh, YouTube or on uh, Robert Llewellyn's own site. Uh, it's where he he picks up uh, well-known people from the TV, gives them a lift to the next appointment and interviews them in the car, you know, with cameras dotted around the car. Uh, he did that on his own, his own little development. Did it for about two years. It was a really, um, you know, a grassroots thing that grew up on the internet. And um, Dave has... Uh, you know, now sponsoring him, gave him a brand new yeah. uh, Praxis car or whatever it is, and uh, he does it on day.
2: Yeah, I mean, to top that, I mean, I've been following that pod. It is a po- proper podcast. You can download it through iTunes, so that that's not a problem. And you can get all the previous episodes. It is a video podcast, though, I will warn you. Uh, basically, Rob drives around in a Prius and uh, has several cameras around it because the Prius, you know, it, nice hybrid car, doesn't use much fuel. Oh, yeah. thinks of of the environment, and the thing is absolutely quiet, especially in town. Especially since the the third, as it is in the United States or here in Europe, the second variant came out, which can quite a lot of the time work on just batteries alone.
1: It doesn't have to pay pay the congestion charge
2: either. Either. And the other fact to this, that all the shows that have been shown on Dave are going out on the carpool feed. As well later, so you get to see stuff that wasn't actually shown in the original show on Dave in the UK, and you can download it worldwide. Uh, it's a bit of a laugh, so you can. You've had all sorts of people. You've had um, you've had the cat in the car. I, Danny, uh, D- mm-hmm. Danny John Jewels, has been in the car. Um, you've had um, Craig Charles in the car as well, which is hilarious. And then you've had other people uh, such as. Well, maybe not sort of sci-fi related, but Stephen Fry's been in the car, uh, and oh, definitely yeah. uh, the no, writer... I, was he a new
1: writer, hasn't he, is he? Is
2: it not Graham Harper, or somebody's... You know, no, i not it, seen that uh, yet, but uh, Doug Naylor. Doug Naylor, the, that's uh, the one. Doug Naylor, the Red Dwarf writer himself, yes. has actually been in the car at roughly the same time as um, the show has been put up for Dave, and... Um, he got to Patrick. talk about how he, he bought... If anybody's seen uh, Return to Earth, uh, he explains that he actually bought that, um, that smart car. himself <laughs> and had yeah. the thing where he'd he for the show. Yeah, he's had Patrick Stewart in the car as well. Oh, that was a fantastic interview. So, I mean, you know... OK, British actor in American sci-fi TV series, but if it comes to the realm yes um that was a fantastic interview and that was just before the the whole thing with james corden as well
0: <laughs> sounds like fun
2: corden gate <laughs> so that's that so was basically uh, expecting either to uh, from the middle um to the end of 2012 for the uh, next series of red dwarf
0: looking forward fantastic. to it yeah should be exciting and it's going to be a so, full series. It's not going to be just yeah. a mini-series like last time.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not a three... Like, last time was a three-parter that was mm-hmm. done over, I think, with Easter period or something like that. And um, it was not bad. It wasn't
0: yeah. bad. And it Some was, people were disappointed at how it ended, but it's it's Red Dwarf-like, you know.
2: <laughs> Red Dwarf. How can you be disappointed? Red Dwarf has uh, eaten its own tail on many occasions. Yeah, <laughs> Robberus. <laughs> to quote Red Dwarf itself. twelve, So, uh, you know... Red Dwarf is Red Dwarf by the, the fact that it actually contradicts itself whenever possible. Uh, so I love the right.
0: the Blade Runner setups that it had in that last oh, it's one. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, anybody anything more to add to that? So I was just asking. So it's going to be a. Do you know how many episodes? They didn't say. They just said it's six, six, six. Six episodes. So it's okay. going
2: to be it's going to be like the original Red Dwarf as it came out back in 1988, which is. Uh, six eight series, as, as it used to be in the UK, which is six episodes, and not as it ended uh, on the BBC, which was eight episodes, but uh, yeah, looking good.
0: Very good, very good. Well, good news, even though we have another year or so to wait before we see anything of it, but it's um, good news nonetheless. Yeah. Well, not-so-good news is that there's going to be some scaling back on BBC websites. We know that there's been some BBC budget concerns as of late, and one of the websites that I think is being targeted is um, part of our namesake, which is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy website, which is at um, BBC. Well, bbc.co.uk slash h2g2, which will bring you to the site, which had just recently had a makeover, I believe. And now this is going to be maybe consolidated or or uh, taken away, or I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird sort of thing. Um, Dave, do you want to take this one?
1: Well, yes, uh, the the BBC, because they've got the frozen license and because the... Uh, I mean, let's just say that the BBC uh, and their whole grouping of... Uh, Presence on the internet have been a fabulous success. Uh, the success of the uh, the BBC AI player has been phenomenal. They're just uh, regrouping all the radios. They're starting a new radio player. They've had fabulous uh, developments of uh, the different blogs. They've uh, podcasts. They've taken podcasts to the heart now, uh, and they've been an awful lot. But basically, the whole thing has got uh, a disproportionate amount of uh, budget. I think they spent something like a hundred and. 35 million on their uh, internet presence last year. That's been slashed by 25%. They're going to lose about 600 jobs, I believe, over the next year or two. And one of that is this rationalization that's going on um, uh, in their um, things. So uh, a few things are being brought together uh, and other things are being, uh, to put it politely, knocked on the head. It looks like the as you said the h2 g2 which has just undergone quite in fact the 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 timing of their announcement of the makeup over of it and the announcement of it being cut was less than 2 days i think
0: that's yeah. that's really wow
1: yeah i mean that's that's that's, that's just typical BBC,
2: I mean, I could rant and rave about this for quite a long time and we'd have a program just about me ranting and raving how mental the BBC management is, um, instead of, well, there are simple ways to cut, uh, costs within the BBC, uh, and the problems that they've got, an easier way to, get, to cut the cost would be to get rid of the absolute shed load of managers that they've brought on board. Because managers they've brought in have just brought in more managers and more managers and more managers. And now you've got managers that are probably just uh, sat there to manage a glass of water, I'll yeah. put it in a simplistic sort of way. But all this, managers cost money and a heck of a lot of it. And this is what is uh, part of the problem. And this is what makes the Tories, um, which is the Conservative Party, um, want to have a go at them. Um, mainly because if you if you look at it's a lot of politics, the BBC has a problem because it's a heavy politics but it has as much as we love it, it's most people will admit it's leaning towards the left. So it's you know, it's Labour Party, it's it's sort of that sort of Whoa. direction. And that's a sort of politics yeah, this is the sort of thing. Some people say no it isn't, but a lot of the time yes it is. Um. Well,
1: it's got a remit to be to be neutral in 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 its uh, output. So, yeah. uh, and it, it's certainly, fa- I mean, I would hold it up against any other broadcaster in terms of getting to, to achieve that. And I just must make one correction. Uh, I read the wrong six. It's 360 posts to go over the next two years, yeah. and a 34 million pound cut. So that's 50 million dollars cut.
2: Yeah, that H2G2 is going, it's just a sign that because uh, Douglas Adams has is, uh, is unfortunately been uh, dead... Well, He's
0: still dead, isn't he?
2: He's still dead, and in fact, this may will be <laughs> ten years. Wow, uh, 11th, that's right. Uh, the tenth anniversary. Um, this is very sad that you can't just keep this one site there. Well, I but can't imagine
0: it being too expensive to run because it's not like, yeah. well, like you just said, Douglas Adams is no longer around, so it's not like there's new Hitchhiker's Guide material coming out. This is basically just a uh, a community forum type of thing where yeah. people can
2: I mean, talk it's be- about. It's,
0: it's become more of a reference
2: page, mm-hmm. sort of. An Encyclopedia Britannica, if you will, um, for for but, but
0: unlike Doctor Who, where you have new stories and episodes and series and seasons coming out, which has to be constantly updated and they do all this other stuff, you know, the advent calendar and all this, uh, you know, the, the, they, I mean, it's not like they're doing that with Hitchhiker's Guide. So I would imagine yeah. the cost for this is pretty, pretty minimum. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans out there that would kind of volunteer to do moderation or whatever on the site if that's the case. I mean, in uh, total,
2: about 180 websites are expected to close ahead of the schedule uh, late this year.
1: Uh, Can we interrupt this uh, broadcast Uh, 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 just for breaking news? Hold hold on, hold on.
0: Here we go. Okay, go ahead, Dave.
1: Well, I've just got a a minute or so to just preface this. The um, National Television Awards are live as I speak. We're now on the best drama performance the people in the categories are Matt Smith for Doctor Who, Dick Cumberbatch for Sherlock, <laughs> Very good. David Jason for A Touch of Frost, and Philip Blenister, Ashes to Ashes. They're just showing the final clip now of Philip Blenister, who poor guy has been so often uh, the person who's fallen behind Doctor Who many years. Is he, I think even one year he claimed he came on to to take the award on behalf of doctor who when when somebody couldn't receive it but um we're now uh, i'm just watching keely Hawkes and uh one or two other casts and um the uh, the uh, daniel mays as well who we may be talking about in lieu of another uh, british sci-fi shortly carry on We'll just hold on. Breaking news might come in any second. <laughs> We're all yeah, the, waiting with bated breath. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they're all great actors. I mean, it's it's hard to uh, choose from any of those. They're, they're all it sounds like a great lineup.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm hopefully it'll go to a proper vote and not that the fact that two of those actors, one it'll be the last chance for as uh, for um,
1: for That's David right. Jason no, for um,
2: because yeah. he's going into retirement permanent and uh, Philip and for Philip, it's the last chance for. Uh, to get awarded as that character because the series has ended and it's not coming back that's it it's done so you know if he's if he's able to come back in this category it's something completely different but uh, keep our fingers crossed come on Smith
1: Uh, I need more breaking news for the ladies Cumberbatch looks as though his hair's a bit shorter than it was and let's see if we can hear it
0: hear his hair (laughs) David Jason. Wow. You heard it Well, there. congratulations it to uh, David, David Jason. It, yes. I mean, I've—it's I've, you know, I'm, obviously i obviously I—I any of them would have been great actors, and in fact, we're, we're sort of—if it's the same David, James, David Jason that I'm thinking of, I think we're—it yeah, it kind of relates to this uh, episode in a way. But we'll get David, on with that.
1: David. Especially for us.
0: Yeah,
2: I don't know. I'm still going to say fix because it's his last chance. This is last chance.
1: Yeah, so. Uh,
2: well,
0: they tend to do that with the Academy Awards as well. If if someone's getting on in years and they haven't won yet, they seem to kind of tip that way. At least that's how it seems.
2: Certainly it does, and uh, the fact is, it's really ridiculous because. For quite a while, you uh, uh, it's actually Stephen Moffat himself that put me onto this on Twitter. You could actually go and vote yourself, Mm -hmm. so you know, oh well. Talking to David Jason, sounds like an American election, (laughs) (laughs) talking to David Jason now. David Jason, um had been in two adaptation of Terry Pratchett books. He was in uh, The Hogfather which was the first one and The Color of Magic and now it's come to my attention Uh, after last year's, which is only just gone, uh, going postal we are to get another adaptation of a book that's only just been out in the last year, which is Unseen Academicals. So we get to see football in the Discworld um, world, so um, actors have yet to be announced, but um, I'm I'm hoping that the um, that Charles Dance actually comes back to play the patrician um, of Ankh-Morpork, and uh, we we'll, might get to see a CGI orangutan. He's a character called the Librarian, who's uh, who was once a man but had a magical accident and is now a librarian. He actually had the choice to get changed back into a man, but preferred to be an ape the whole time. So I'm, I'm kind of sort of looking forward to this. So that's one of the, to Terry Pratchett's. This will be the fourth one. Um, and I'm quite rather looking forward to it because they've been rather spectacular in the past. Uh, the Hogfather was quite a good start there, but everybody uh, really sort of levels on The Color of Magic as being the, um, the, the measurement... To get against which all the other ones should be made because it really was on top of its game uh, you had um, Sean oh, I've forgotten his name uh, he was one of the hobbits um
0: Oh, yeah, I know films. who you're talking about.
2: Sean Sean Austin. Yes, Newt that's, that's the I one. I just mm-hmm. had to think of Texas. <laughs> He'd he come back. But Sean Austin, who was playing uh, Two Flower, and David Jason, who was playing Rinse Wind, uh, quite spectacularly uh, in it. And this is the one. Now, last year's was Going Postal, uh, which had uh, a sort of... Stephen moffat's link there uh one of the characters was played uh by i don't know if I, I'm having one of these brain fart moments, but uh it was basically when the characters were used to be in the Stephen Moffat production um coupling mm. and uh that's the sort of the sort of link there but uh I hope it's looking good, so it's nice to know that this will be going out It's not confirmed where this will be going out on um uh, mr murdoch's now own sky productions but uh it has been in the past but since uh sky is being looked at this is a british tv channel being looked at being completely taken over by rupert murdoch who owns fox so <laughs> yeah do worry <laughs> um <laughs> uh, this we'll have to wait and see it's, um I would like it to land on maybe another channel maybe the BBC would like to take it you know because it's been produced by an outside um, firm or maybe ITV could take it or even Dave so because these things are quite literally luscious um, and well done uh, productions so that's on that bit
1: and he's not done so bad actually from uh, A Touch of Frost, which I don't particularly like. I'm just looking now, and Touch of Frost, uh, most popular actor. He won in 1999, 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, 2003. <laughs> uh, so he's he's done pretty well with that.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, last chance.
1: So, I don't believe that. Somebody's already updated Wikipedia. It already has 2011. time <laughs> performers, Frost.
0: I- I'm sure they were there. <laughs> they probably like had it already set, and they had the text already set, and they were just waiting for it to be confirmed and hit enter. Believe
2: <laughs> well, was it Was it the same person that uh, managed to uh, <laughs> update the uh, Christmas, the um, <clears throat> bit that one of Marilyn Monroe's husbands
1: was the doctor? From A Christmas Carol I don't think that's too spoilery Yes Which uh, came out on
2: DVD just a Monday
0: gone
1: Which was nice Um, Which won't apparently be showing in New Zealand anytime soon
0: Yeah that's right We had reported last time that it was going to be Well it might have been I think we might have reported on Dr. Uphodshank That it was coming out on the end of January In New Zealand But it turns out that that's not the case so
2: and it is the case again because this is the bit that keeps going back. Whatever it is, um, if you live in New Zealand, um, look at January 30th and just hope for the best. It's the only tip we can give you at the moment because the fact that every time it comes back, the last thing I heard was from Benjamin Elliot, who said that it is being shown. Oh, it is. It's going out on the channel, uh, of the said channel, on the said date. You know, it keeps being said that the, the date's going to change, but it keeps coming but said it's going to be it's
0: Sunday. the, the 26th January. now as we record this, so wouldn't we know if it's going to be coming out, if it's the end of January? Because the end of January uh, is a days away now. I would
1: have thought so.
2: I feel sorry for the New Zealanders. I really do. I really, really do. Um,
1: what are you talking about? <laughs> eh? They have, uh, they have all the marvellous uh, stuff from uh, Lord of the Rings down there, and they're getting it back.
2: I don't know. It's just it's Christmas carol is just um yeah, oh, yeah. after I, just, on DVD I blame, as well. the, it's just, I
0: blame it's, the sheep is what I do.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> when when you've got uh, an overpopulation of 30 million sheep, you know, it's like uh, um, the actual sure. population is not that much New Zealand.
0: But I'm sure I, they had something to do with this. Well, they'll get it sooner or later, hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: You're not saying dot True fans are Sheep, are you, Graham? Bad! <laughs> That's
2: bad for drama, Dave! <laughs> um, besides that, we'll have to send a space goat on him, um, on them to sort them out with his laser horns. I'm drifting. But it was the fact that um, the uh, I'm hoping that they're not going to have it. Um, okay. You can look at it two ways. uh... That's, that that uh, a voyage of the damned it took three years to come to Canada. If you look at things that way, it took them over three years to get that episode there. So uh, I'm hopefully I mean it's the best Christmas special for me personally ever. Um, I just hope they're not going to have to suffer that delay. And it, it may be something of the case that uh, it'll be out in Region Four DVD. So they're going to end up importing it from Australia just to watch it. You know, they're going to have it on DVD, imported from Australia, before they've actually got it shown on the physical television, mm. which would be bad. But uh, we're not, this is not Podshop, this is Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and talking of which, uh, meet the cats. Oh, cats, Outcasts, in a major new BBC One drama series, um, starting apparently this year. Um, uh, group Courageous Pioneers face a unique opportunity, the chance to build a new and better future on another planet. Outcast is set uh, or as an epic new eight-part drama series created by Ben Richards for BBC One. They are led by uh, President Tate, which is uh, played by Liam Cunningham, and his core team of Stella, uh, Hermione Norris, Cass, Daniel Mays, who you might know from... Um, uh, Ashes to Ashes. Ashes to Ashes, who played the role. He was rather mental in that, so you can expect him to be a really good actor because he. On Ashes to Ashes, you could see the difference in his character. Uh, he could play it one way or the other. Uh, Fleur, Amy Manson. And they took charge of a set uh, settled here, first alongside Expeditionaries, Mitchell, who. This name will sound really familiar to uh, American viewers. Jamie Bamba.
3: Hmm. Uh
0: huh. Battlestar Galactica.
2: Yes. It was rather fantastic Mm. Battlestar Galactica, I thought. Anyway, and uh, Jack, Ashley Walters. Now, uh, this is... uh, They are a diverse group of individuals who left their old lives behind in extraordinary circumstances. Promised a second chance at life, they created a society far away from their home, friends, family, and their pasts. So, you know, hmm, this is British drama, so you can imagine what sort of intrigue is going to be in this...
1: Um, I'm kind of looked forward to it. I have uh, just got a very short of the latest teasers that I can play, Lewis. Sure.
3: Here we go. Tease away. He's away.
4: We <laughs> weren't expecting you until tomorrow.
5: Yeah, I came back to show them when I thought of their weapons ban. All my pass officers have handed theirs in. We're not pass officers, Stella. We're expeditionaries. Did
3: you fall for my wife like everybody else? It's so what have you done! Back off! Or I'll kill you! You start all over again, you mess things up again. I don't want to shoot you, Cass! Just give up, it's not too late. The Mitchell! Too late now, though, isn't it? it
1: sounded uh, very, uh. uh dot-two-like music there, didn't it? Um...
0: Yeah, I had a little Murray. Gold Murray in there. Gold in there didn't it yeah. um,
2: Murray Gold Murray Gold Not as Karen Gillan says Marigold
1: yeah there's about uh, seven little teasers like that that are on the uh, BBC Outcast uh, site which may well be region blocked but uh, they're all just about 30-40 seconds uh, a little bit like they did with the little Doctor Who teasers if you remember mm. Oh, it
2: sounds fantastic. It really does. It kind of reminds me of um, it, it, a, uh, something that came out in the United States uh, during the 90s, which was I think Earth 2 was the was the yes. program yeah. uh, which was a fantastic I, th- I thought it was a rather fantastic um, uh, series, uh, and it sort of has sort of notes of that for me, just done with British accents really, mm-hmm. and a bigger budget. And they had not a bad budget at the time, but uh, we are a fair few years on from that point, so
0: yeah. And when is um, Outcast due to uh, hit the screens? Could be
1: as early as March, I think. No, okay. I don't think it's going to be Couple before months then, but it's not far
0: off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, hopefully, um, it won't be um, competing with Doctor Who, would it? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. Uh, uh, eight episodes, 50 minute episodes each very good in actual fact uh, it says on the Outcast page I'm looking now it says actually mid-February date not published off yet so it could be could be earlier
0: well they're, they're both BBC right so it's yeah that was um, I mean, that, a misnotion of me saying competing so they, they're not really competing
2: I mean it would fit perfectly wouldn't it really if that came to an end and then straight after you got uh, Doctor Who mm. so you got entertainment for longer which is nice uh, cool. No last bit we're gonna to have to ask uh, Lewis about because uh, being human okay has started with series three in the United Kingdom all right so I don't know if you can c- c- sci-fi but okay um, sort of science fiction elements but fantasy as well and, okay but being humans are uh, uh, sort of for people who don't know it is uh, a series about uh, a house or a household that encompasses a ghost a vampire and a werewolf. And if that doesn't prick your interest, I don't know what will. Because <laughs> now, it actually has now been remade. I don't know, it's supposed to be brick sci fi, but for the, and I've got to say this and behave myself at the same time. Same, behave, same, behave. <laughs> sci fi network. Oh, look, I did it.
0: Oh, you mean the, the, the network that was previously known as Sci-Fi, which is now SIFI.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to behave myself.
0: <laughs> well, it's kind of weird because I just happened, I was stumbling across something that reminded me of, I, I haven't seen, let me just preface this saying that I hadn't seen Being Human before, the, the UK proper version. And I was just going through um, the TV, which I normally don't really have a chance to watch too much, but I just happened to be channel surfing and I came across something on Bravo and it said Being Human. And I said, oh, Bravo, how's Being Human? And I started watching it a little bit and I realized that it was taking place in the US. I'm like, this can't be being human. And then I realized that it's probably a U.S. Um, remake of it. And then I felt dirty and I had to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't watch the remake of it before seeing the proper, you know, U.K. original series. So I just didn't want to watch it if it wasn't the real original series. And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's a pop. I mean, from my from what I understand, it's a very popular series in the U.K. Why not just show it the U.K. version in the U.S.? Why remake it?
2: yeah uh, this is this is a sort of um, demonstration that's gone all over the internet even from u.s fans of the british original uh, they just don't understand it uh, but apparently it's not half as bad as it's supposed to be um you know uh, a lot of people said oh it's a u.s version because they start thinking life on mars and i've tried watching that remake and
1: Uh, Yeah, I think there's been a collective sigh that has gone up, a good sigh, I mean, that um, the actual first episode, and I've been able to get to watch it, is is not half bad at all. It certainly scoots along pretty quick. You almost feel as though... um, the developers of it saying you know get people into the story before it gets cancelled because they cover an awful lot of ground in their first episode it means that the um, the humour gets a little bit pushed to the side but it was um, uh Actually, not too bad. I, I didn't feel as though the acting was quite up to the standard of the UK one, but again, these people have got to settle down into their character roles. Um, the second episode will have now aired on uh, Monday the 24th of January, which I haven't seen, uh, and basically I think uh, episode one and two are almost like a a, you know, um, a a pilot in their own right. It's like a, two, a two-part opener, as it were. Uh, But it certainly uh, got off to a a good start. There was only one really humorous section where the guys are looking for uh, a house to share. And um, all in all, I I didn't think it was too bad. And I thought the the girl who played the ghost on the American episode looks, although her story wasn't developed very much, uh, seemed to be uh, pretty good.
0: Well, I just wish they would show the British versions at least before, preface it before the the U.S. versions, at least give the audience a taste of what the the original series was like. I said that same thing with... with, Oh, I just lost the series that uh, we just spoke about. It, the, the 1973, John Simm, <laughs> Life Sim, on Mars. Mars. Thank you. <laughs> it's terrible getting old. So uh, yeah, they say, I said the same thing with Life on Mars. Or we can even go back to Queer as Folk, which uh, was remade for premium television here in the U.S. I think it was HBO. And uh, as good as it was, it still didn't. I didn't, don't think it mocked the same level that the original uh, Russell T Davies series. Achieved, and when it was on Channel Four, I believe in the UK. So, I just, you know, again, I just show. It's, it's not like they speak speaking a different language. It's, it's just. I mean, it, I don't know. We, we've. I know we already had this discussion in the past, maybe on this show. I know definitely on Doctor Who but it's just it's aggravating that. Um, I think part of the reason why U.S. is so, you know, centralist to the U.S. only is because they're not getting exposure to other cultures. And um, because the the suits think that, well, you know, the U.S. audiences won't buy it and they're they not going to watch it. And, and unfortunately, to some extent, maybe that's true. And, um, you know, otherwise everyone would be watching PBS. Yeah. And, well, they do so-
1: get... Sorry, they do get some exposure to it, but not at the right place. I was watching it, and about a quarter of the screen was covered up with a, a little animated advert for Merlin, right in the middle of the show. couldn't believe it. And one other thing that, that seemed strange, that uh, right before the last advert break, before we went to the last section, they actually had a trailer for the upcoming... The, the following week's episode before they finished the oh, episode yeah,
0: that's it. That's uh, something that Sci-Fi channels or sifi is guilty of uh, many times in the past when they used to show Doctor, well, it was, maybe it was BBC America, I don't know but they, I know that was a complaint in the past as well where they would show a preview for the next episode spoiling it for those that are watching the first episode <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah I well, just cancelled SGU and what the heck's going on there SGU?
2: Stargate universe. universe.
0: Oh, okay. I'm not a Stargate fan, so you completely lost me there. Like, ooh, what? The only Stargate
2: can follow. <laughs> and, of course, you
0: got a um, British artist in there as well. Well... Well, speaking of Doctor Who, and and um, well, we're not going to talk about remakes, thankfully, but we are talking about spinoffs. And since our last episode of Hitchhiker's Guide, we had a some new news concerning Torchwood. And I know we spoke about this on Doctor Who Pancha, but on the rare chance that maybe you're not listening to that and you only listen to this show, I know it's unthinkable, but just to kind of bring you up to date, that Torchwood New World has now been changed or apparently the title was all along going to be Torchwood Miracle Day and that's the new title and apparently uh, according to Russell T. Davies who was at a um, a critics, uh, some sort of television critics panel, uh, he had explained the reason why, and this has to do with the premise, and I guess, um, well, I, I, slight spoiler alert, even though it's out there now, and Russell T. Davies said it at a, you know, himself, so I don't think it's meant to be that much of a secret anymore, but apparently it was a secret at one point, was that the, the premise is that no one dies on earth uh, not a single person dies the next day no one dies and the next day no one dies and so on and so on and finally on the sixth day the the dying keep dying but they, they, they don't quite actually die and um, and, and i guess that the, the, the those that are, are are sick stay sick or whatever and there's a overpopulation pro- problem and food problem and um, i'm paraphrasing now of course so uh, and that's where the new torchwood team comes in and that's where they introduce the brand new characters and and that's the premise of torch miracle day which um is coming out right now it's in production right now they're shooting it uh, as we speak and it's coming out on stars in the u.s and on bbc uh, i guess bbc one in the uk and this summer we don't have an exact date even though there was an erroneous date that was said that i think we spoke about last time but that's um we all, all we can say is this summer
1: and this is, of course, our imitating uh, real life. I've, I've just read on the BBC News site, uh, Stop Rewind, the scientists slowing aging process. Scientists slowly unlocking the secrets of ages, aging, and some suggest treatments may soon be at hand to slow or even reverse the aging process. Oh, I could
0: use that right about now. <laughs> I couldn't remember Life on Mars. I'm like, what's that? T-? We were just talking about it with Johnson. What was that? Yeah, you sort my ears out <laughs> at the
2: same time. I thought it was uh, I thought this was going to be Torchwood Mackerel Day when it was on about a shower of fish coming from the heavens. I'm it it
0: may very well be. This could all be a ruse. You know, this whole thing about you know, no one dying could be. It's maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they've also oh, well, added a new cast member, Lauren Ambrose. Who, speaking of of, yes. of HBO, which I spoke about before, he she was a character, uh, Claire Fisher on Six Feet Under, it's an HBO series. So she's uh, going to be playing Jilly Kitzinger, a PR guru, and that she joins other new cast members, Mckayla Pfeiffer and Bill Pullman who um, are added to the cast as well. Eve Miles is there as long as uh, Kai Owens is, yeah. is, is still on board. So it's, it's still keeping its British heritage. It's a continuation. It's not a remake, thankfully. And um, we're looking forward to it.
1: Well, you've you've just two, you two guys give me an awful visual thought that I've just had. Uh, I'm thinking back to uh, uh, Doctor Who and of course the Master when uh, the Master changes everybody into himself, and it's the Master race. Yes. <laughs> I thinking if nobody dies, don't say they change everybody into Captain
0: Jack. Well, I, I I'm sure when I read that, that's the spark of the idea which I'm assuming might have led to it. I, I mean, I'm not in Russell T Davies's head, but I'm assuming maybe that's what brought this idea on because it sounds very much like Captain Jack. Yeah. Oh
3: my.
0: You know they're not going to be turning into Captain Jack but what maybe um you know that was the that's where the the seed of the idea came from That the you Captain know Captain Jack selling
1: snake oil.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear oh dear
6: oh dear.
0: So uh, it was the Television Critics Association panel that the Russell, Davies, Russell T. Davies was speaking at, which he uh, revealed the premise and the new title. And he was there with uh, Eve Miles, Micaiah Pfeiffer, and Bill Pullman. Pullman. Well, we'll keep you up to date on Torchwood news as it comes out. Torchwood Miracle Day is set to hit the screens this summer. So it's an exciting year as far as Torchwood goes. It's good to have it back on television again after... A full year last year of No Torchwood. It's good to have it back. In the meantime, have you listened to any good British sci-fi books lately? Yes, I said listen. You could do that via Audible. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 75,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, be it thrillers, business, history, science fiction and fantasy, and more, Audible content has it covered. It's compatible with iPods, iPhones, iPads, MP3 players, well, over 500 devices for your listening pleasure anytime, anywhere. For you listeners of The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, simply go to audiblepodcast.com slash Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap, A R T T R A P, for your free audiobook. And as always, we would like to make suggestions on what you could listen to, what could be your free book, perhaps. And one such suggestion is The Day of the Triffids, a classic radio sci fi drama. This is the full cast from the 1968 transmitted. BBC Radio Four production. Day of the Triffids is a classic story, classic sci-fi story, written by John Wyndham. And in this production, you may hear some familiar voices. If you're, especially if you are a fan of Doctor Who, one Peter Pratt is in there. Also involved is Christopher Bidman. Many things,
1: some of them not nice. But in a few years' time. It will be producing a far
5: better oil than yours at half your present price. What are you offering? And how much do you want for it? I'm offering a tray of fertilized seed six months from now. And I want
1: a hundred thousand pounds. Do you? Do you? If you consider all the implications, you will find that I am being very reasonable. I shall
5: have to consult my fellow directors. Oh, naturally. I, naturally. I would like an advance of 25,000 pounds. That's rather high. Not really.
1: You see, I shall have to hire myself a jet aircraft, and it had better be a good one.
4: But it wasn't good enough. He landed by night on a flat Siberian waste. A man ran up to the plane with a box under his arm and got in. He took off at once and climbed steeply. But somewhere over the Pacific, they caught up with him and blew the plane to pieces. After the fragments had dropped away, there was nothing left but a trail of white vapour. Only it wasn't vapour. It was a cloud of seeds. They were so gossamer light they even floated on that thin air until they drifted down into the winds of the world.
3: How much of that is speculation?
5: Not much. Besides, there's no other way to account for the fact that they... They suddenly appeared in half a dozen different parts of the world at once. <laughs> we even had one in our back garden. I was 15 at the time. Dad?
3: Yeah? Do you know there's a mystery behind the compost heap? <laughs> Go on,
5: Billy. Pull the other one.
3: No, really? It's a peculiar plant. Peculiar? Oh, do come and look. <laughs> between the Berberus and the fence. There. My, g- oh, my... word, yes, you're right. It's very odd indeed. I can't find it in any of the books. Not flowers of the field or anything.
5: Yeah, looks a bit foreign. Uh,
3: there's a sort of thing like a fern shoot in that trumpet-shaped thing at the top of the stem. Look. Ah. Uh, uh, and a lot of dead flies floating about inside.
5: Well, it's no beauty, whatever it is. We'll dig it up next time we have a bonfire. Oh, no, Dad. Please not. What do you want to do with it? Study it. Oh, no. You know, take its measurements and, and keep a record of its growth. All right, then, but I wish you'd spend as much time on arithmetic as you do on nature study.
3: It's not nature study, it's biology.
5: Whatever you call it, it won't get you anywhere. Now, with mathematics, you can always be sure of a good job.
0: We're going to skip ahead a little bit here.
6: Oh, come in. Uh, Do sit down, Mr... uh... Uh, Mason. William Mason, sir. Thank you. Uh, Yes. My name's Luckner. I'm in charge of research. Um, Tell me something about yourself.
3: What sort of thing, sir?
6: What you like doing, why you want to join Arctic European. Um, Just talk to me.
3: Hmm. Uh, Well, sir, I'm interested in plants and animals... Uh... Things that live? Yes, yes, yes. I don't like figures much or sitting at a desk. What experience have you? uh, Biology at school. It was my best subject. Mm. And I've done some research on my own. On what? Well, uh, there's a plant in our garden that nobody knows about. And i would kept a sort of record of it. What does it look like? It has a circular bowl covered with leaves, which at present is 210.5 centimetres in circumference. From it springs a stem which is 82 centimetres in circumference and 120 centimetres in height from the bowl, the whole plant standing 210 centimetres from the ground. Well, that's very thorough. Now tell me what it looks like. Well, uh, <laughs> like a kind of shaggy, leafy giraffe <laughs> with no legs. And a leafy calyx with the head would be. What? Um, I'm sorry, it's not a very good description. Yes, it is. Has it got
6: four small twigs growing straight up from the base of the stem? Yes. And inside the calyx a coiled thing which might be a stamen? Yes, that's it. Indeed it is. Give him the chairman. How long has it been there? Well, it six months since I noticed it, but it was well established then. No. Yeah. Well, Walter Luckner, sir. I have a young man sitting in front of me who's been growing a triffid in his back garden. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, of course. Right. Well, we're going up to see him. A trifid. Is that what it's called? Yes. Mm-hmm. In two years' time, it'll be the reason for this company's existence. But what does it do? It produces an oil that, well, wipes the floor with any of our present product. It's the hybrid of a half a dozen hybrids. Some were accidentally dispersed a year or two ago and we've had reports that specimens have been found in the tropics tropics? yes, I'm going out to Ecuador next week to bring some home yours is the first reported in a temperate country
5: Uh, why
6: triffid? yours hasn't walked yet, I take it? walked? no, obviously not but when it's between 18 months and 2 years old it will lift its three main roots from the ground and walk on them hence triffid
3: but no
5: plants walk they do now oh, and by the way, you've got the job
4: but I very nearly lost it. I went home hopping with excitement. The first thing I did was to go into the garden and take a look at the triffid. I bent down and examined the roots. For the first time, I noticed that there were indeed three of them. I began to scrape the earth away with a vague idea that the thing might walk sooner. Then something cracked across my face like a whip. I woke up in bed, and a puzzled-looking doctor was standing over me. I was the first person in England to be stung by a triffid. I survived because it wasn't fully grown. By the time I'd recovered, Walter Luckner was back from Ecuador with a dozen mature specimens, and he'd already discovered that the sting which whipped out of the top of the stem would kill a man instantly. He'd also discovered that if you cut the sting off the triffid, it was harmless. I went down to Worthing with him, and we set up the first triffid nursery together. In the next few years, the things were so successful as oil producers that we reared more and more of them, until... Um. Well.
3: Yes, but can't you give me something personal?
5: Hmm?
3: Well, I mean, Bill, you worked with them more than anyone.
5: Except Walter, he really understood triffids.
4: Well, tell me about that.
5: Well, um, one evening I remember sitting on a bank, looking at a field of tethered triffids, just about sunset. <whistles> what a row they're making! Yes talkative tonight. (laughs) I wonder if it's the weather. They seem to do it more when it's dry. Do you talk more when it's dry? Talk? Yes, do you? You don't really think that's what they're doing? Why not? Well, it's absurd, plants talking to each other. You once said they couldn't walk. Oh, yes, but that's a mechanical thing. I mean, if, if they talk... It would mean they
6: had some intelligence. Have you ever noticed that when they sting, they seem to go for the face or the hands? Yes. Especially for the eyes. Well, it's probably accidental. Possibly. But it could be because they want to reduce our advantage. Sight is our only advantage, you know. Whatever there's vegetables. Yes. You just think, if you were blind and alone in a field with a triffid, what could you do? Well, for a start, you'd starve to death. The Triffid wouldn't. It could exist on flies till it found you. And then it would only have to root itself beside your body and wait. A nice thought. Yeah. And here's another one. In some parts of Africa they've been known to surround villages at night, and kill the inhabitants. Yes, but look, we've never found anything like a brain. I mean they're the same as any other plant when you dissect them. They're all the same. If there was some catastrophe which made us weaker, it would automatically make them stronger. Especially now we've stopped docking them to improve their quality. Oh, let's go in. But you don't really think there's anything to worry about,
5: do you? I don't
6: know. Anyhow, there's no use worrying. While there's money in Triffids, there'll be Triffids. (laughs) We'll tap that lot tomorrow. Put my mask and gloves on the peg, will you? Right you are.
0: Well, that gives you a little taste of the day of the Triffids. Again, this is the classic radio sci-fi series... That the BBC produced back in 1968, and you can be listening to it now as your free audiobook selection. Once again, to get your free audiobook from Audible, simply go to audiblepodcast.com slash arttrap. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash trap. A-R-T-T-R-A-P, for your free audiobook. You can check out their site, you can check out their selection, they have a huge selection of Doctor Who titles to choose from, but you're not limited to that. Choose what you like. Any other news before we get on to our uh, feature segment? No, not, not from my end, I don't think. Well, um, this has been a very incestuous episode because so much of uh, what we've been talking about kind of uh, relates to each other. I mean, we're, we're talking we're, as we're, we're and this was completely spontaneous or, and serendipitous because I didn't when I had said that we we're going to kind of introduce and review Danger Mouse, I had no idea that David Jason was um, up for the National Television Awards and that we're going to be recording while that was going on. So that was very serendipitous. (laughs) Ooh, chief! (laughs) <laughs> well, let's introduce what we're talking about where for those that are not familiar with Danger Mouse. Now we're talking about the TV series there's some sort of rapper or musician that's using that name as well which I'm yeah. I'm assuming he took from the TV series but it was a an animated series that was produced by Cosgrove Hall Studios which is the the studios that uh, Brian Cosgrove and Mark Hall put together, and they do a lot of animated stuff. They also did uh, two novels of Pratchett's Discworld series. Uh, Again, tying it into everything we're talking about in this episode. It's
2: um, Soul Music and Weird Sisters.
0: Uh, um, uh, Those are the two... Those are the two novels, which
2: I both have on DVDs. Well...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, very
1: good. they well, also did, uh, Doctor Who, Scream of the Shalker. The yes, yes. They... And,
2: and to bring a second Doctor perspective to this whole thing, if you own the Invasion, the missing episodes were also done by them
1: uh, in the same sort of style. And the Infinite Quest as well, was
0: it? Was it, were they all, because um, they, they're very different, the Infinite Quest to, uh, or well, no, maybe I'm thinking of the other, no, I'm sorry, never mind, I'm thinking of the the Dreamland. yeah, no. yeah, all right. So, yeah, it's it was a television series, an animated series. Now, you may be thinking, okay, Danger Mouse, how does that how is that British science fiction? And even though it is based on Earth, he's a secret agent. Um, some may say superhero, but he's a he's a mouse. He lives in a police—not uh, a police call box. He lives in a uh, a pillbox, a, a mailbox, a uh, in in the UK on Baker Street, and that's um, not a nod to Tom Baker or anything like that. But isn't that where Sherlock Holmes lived?
2: 20, 20, uh something. Oh God!
1: B Baker Street. Oh, and I'm having the same problem as Lewis now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check in a minute, But while you just check, that, I should also mention they did uh, Truckers, which was another um, uh, Terry Pratchett uh, children's book that they changed into cartoon, and that was into a TV series.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so as I was saying, it's 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 an animated series. And for me, I discovered it in the U.S., actually, in, I guess it was uh, the early 80s, maybe 1984. It was on Nickelodeon, and that was my first, I think, exposure to Danger Mouse. And I fell in love with the series at, then, at that time. I can't believe that's like 26, 27 years ago now. Yeah, wow. So, oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and i grew up watching as far as uh animation goes i'm i grew up i always loved like the warner brother cartoons bugs bunny and 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 that whole lot where all the characters had a bit of an attitude towards them and it's wouldn't be unlike them to kind of talk into the camera and uh, talk to the audience and break that that fourth wall down and Danger Mouse kind of fits right into that same flavor where they are often will, will do the same thing. Now, going back to what I was saying, okay, how is this science fiction? Danger Mouse is very much science fiction he not only is a secret agent on earth but he also has a space hopper which uh sometimes takes him out of the out, out of out, all, off the planet and to other worlds and uh other galaxies uh there's um often their titles are spoofs of movies and there's um what was one that was about close, close encounters of of the weird kind I don't know I should get to a, an episode listing <laughs> Hold on. Just a bit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's ninety. Well, basically, there's uh, as far as listed as ninety episodes in total. Um, now, some of the actors you had in this show uh, were, at the time, quite top-notch actors and or well-known actors.
0: Um, Now, funny, we just mentioned this. um, uh, By the way, it's it's Close Encounters of the Absurd Kind, is what I was absurd thinking. Absurd Kind, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember
2: when first went out. um, Now, Danger Mouse himself is played by David Jason, who we've mentioned. Who just out. won. Uh, just, you know. Uh, well, it's. it's, to awards again.
0: Yeah. So we come full circle again. It's The series started in 1981, and I thought it was only limited to, like, the early 80s, and it wasn't until later on uh, that I discovered that it, they had later episodes all the way up to, like, as late as uh, 1992. Now, they skipped a few years there, I think, there was, I think, they went from 1987 to 1991, so there was nothing in between there. And some of those series were very limited, like they were just uh, 1987 had just two stories, as as opposed to some of the other years where they have, you know, uh, eight or ten or, or or more stories. And also the episode lengths vary as well. So some, some of them are four-minute four segments, some are uh, like 10-minute 10, 10 segments, yes, oh. and, and, and like I said, it varies, so, so that changes. And as I was saying, it is very much science fiction, and it does kind of refer to other science fiction uh, shows and movies. Uh, as I said, there's a, there's nods to classic films like Close Encounters. Uh, even Doctor Who gets a nod a, a few times over. There, uh, I, there's one story where they take a potter's shed back to Earth, you know, that was a reference to the Doctor. And one time they, they time travel in a, well, this is very master-like, I think it was a, um, a, a, um, like a grandfather clock, a one of those clocks. And, and I think they make a mention. Uh, they make some sort of mention. It's sort of like that doctor character or something like that. They, they, they make mentions like that, and it's 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 humorous. It's funny. It's you have to kind of really watch it to, can, to kind of get the flavor of it. And uh, it has a great theme song, which I failed to play when we started this. So let me just play a little bit now. <laughs> It's the Danger Mouse theme music there, and you may be thinking, "Well, this is just for kids." It really isn't. If you watch it, it's—I think—it's enjoyable no matter how old you are. It's a great series. Uh, some, some, of it is, um, like I said, a little wacky, but it's a good wacky. It had a couple spin-offs. Well, it had one spin-off, most notably, which is uh, Count Duckula. Which is a mm-hmm. duck character that he encounters that was obsessed with show business and uh, a
2: vegetarian vampire duck yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean that so, tells you a lot about it. Uh, the, the thing with this, uh, this this show is there is like most British and indeed Warner Brother cartoons a lot of uh, jokes for the adults in it. Now uh, only mm-hmm. you know, kids are, yeah. the kids are watch, kids just sit and watch it. It's bright, it's colorful, there's lots happening. And there's stuff for the adults as well. I mean, you have got uh, people who have been in, in TV shows all over the place, and um, including a Doctor Who veteran, Edward Kelsey, who plays Colonel K, It's the direct boss of, of Danger Mouse. And he uh, was in I've got to say this properly. The creature from the pit—I keep Mm. calling it the creature from the Ingrid Pit. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I keep doing that. Uh, And he was also in episode two of *The Power of the Daleks*. Um, So, you know, this—well, episode one and two uh, of *Power of the Daleks*. So you've got real steadfast uh, main actors, uh, famous in British—not only British TV, but sometimes worldwide. Uh, Now, the assistant. To Danger Mouse is Penfold, and he's played by a British comedian called Terry Scott. He was a comedy actor. Uh, oh, Crumbs. With, uh, he's the one who says, Oh, Chief, oh, Crumbs, Chief. I don't think you're going to like that, are you? Uh, it's sort of, it's, actually, it's not bad. It's probably the only personation I get right from this whole thing. Um, but uh, Penfold, shush. Is, Penfold is his psychic. He's uh, a hamster. He's. Uh, Yeah, it's supposed to be a hamster, but he's a blind hamster. And he's always getting (laughs) himself into all sorts of trouble. Uh, And Terry Scott, because uh, Terry Scott comes uh, from, uh, well, I say dynasty, but he's always in British television uh, throughout the 70s and through uh, most of the 80s on on comedy shows, uh, especially alongside June Whitfield, which you'll know from Doctor Who, being Minnie the Minx in the uh, end of time. Uh, They had this uh, thing called Terry and June. Mm. they both starred in together so i mean there's links to the, it's weird to think this is typical british tv what <laughs> i call british tv everything seems to link to everything else uh people who like a certain show will probably end up liking another show yes and there yeah. are links between these shows back and forth uh blake seven you've got as, as mentioned you've got blake seven you've not only got jacqueline pierce but it's written by terry nation and that uh but then you've got Doctor Who, which had the Daleks written by Terry Nation, and Jacqueline Pierce stars as a, uh, an undergum. But it's rather weird this is how British TV works everybody sort of is a very close knit community of actors you could, I suppose you could say
0: yeah yeah I'm very um, surprised when I come across a British actor that wasn't in like Doctor Who or Blake Seven when, when you know <laughs> that seems to be rare you know especially with Doctor Who has such a long history almost 50 years now you think eventually at some point okay there were some years that it unfortunately wasn't on and being produced but you would think somewhere along the line they were on Doctor Who but uh, most likely they are but it's on a rare occasion that you come across that someone isn't
1: yeah and although they didn't live inside a uh, police box they did live inside a pillar box
0: yes that's what i was getting at yeah yeah
2: it's uh, another sort of british um icon that is actually also now uh fading by looks of it it's uh british basically uh Letter boxes, or pill boxes, as you want to call them. Uh, they were also sort of one of those iconic things. That are they
0: going away? These are the red mailboxes that are. Yes, I, mean, I should have said that. Uh, it never occurred to me to explain what pill a pill box was. Yes.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, um, lovely red things. It's one of those things, it's like the. Uh, it's like most things. Um, the telephone boxes as well you know the British red telephone boxes which have now long disappeared from British streets
0: it's a uh, shame those are classic uh, icons as well
2: classic icons, there's maybe one or two they were usually used by some idiot as a toilet um, and unfortunately well, told, not, I told you not so. to
1: speak
0: of that again <laughs> but to
1: be fair, <laughs> I mean they've even done that in the States Something. I mean I remember when the first uh, um, Superman film came out and yeah there was out. a
0: there's a scene there where yeah, yeah he goes to change, and there's there's only a stand up police uh, not police a uh, stand up tele public phone thing, you know yeah. no no um enclosure to change in so and and now those are rare things too with with mobile phones it's uh use it's rare rarer and rarer that you see public phones.
2: Yeah, it's a pity. And you'll see a lot of imagery. Um, I mean, things like taxis, British taxis, seem to be still around. But it's only because they've gone, like, like the mini car, uh, the car, the mini, uh, gone through major uh, redesigns and, and specialist firms build them now, the old taxi cabs. Mm. But, um, I mean, the thing is, it is science fiction. The uh, Dangerous is science fiction for the sheer fact that, hey, you've got a flying car.
0: You got a flying car. He has a space hopper. He's uh, there's many science fiction themes explored. I, I told you that he, you know, with the space hopper, he does occasionally leave Earth. He um, he does encounter aliens. He's uh, there's time travel involved. There's uh, many times they have gone back in time to prehistoric times. They've gone into the future where there's a spoof of Planet of the Apes where they're cats, you know, and he's a mouse. So but the cats have taken over the planet. So it's it's very enriched in science fiction themes. And uh, of course, just like Bond has all the gadgets and all the all that science fiction type of stuff.
1: There's a little bit of a, a, a Batman feel as well to some of the yes. villains.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first, the main villain, and I say the first is because uh, he's in the pilot episode, and I should make a mention that on the DVD, I, I know on the US version of the DVD, they include the original pilot that have different voices, which is very hard to watch because you're just so used to the the established voices during the series. But the original pilot, I, which I guess was used to sell the series at first, had different actors doing the voices, and they just sound very strange. But be that as it may, um, the the original villain was Baron Silas Greenback, which also was voiced by Edward um, Kelsey. And he, this is my only complaint about the series. Really, was that the first few series, uh, the first few years, he was really the the only villain that you would see, and and it just became a little. Even though he was good and great and all that, but it, you know, it wasn't until later that they started varying the villains, and there were different. You know, he would encounter different things because it was always like the same thing. Okay, well he got away, or if they, you know, somehow if he if they do capture the Baron somehow in the next episode, he was out free again, and. It, just got a little tiresome, but uh, eventually there were other villains that were introduced, um, including um, Count Ducula, which, like I said, spun off on his own series, and um, there was, um, uh, what was that, that, that Count, um, there was um, Dr. Augustus Crumhorn, which was a wolf-like uh, they're all animals, but occasionally they do interact with people. JJ and
1: Quark, a short helmet wearing, snout nailed no space alien who speaks with a Scottish accent.
0: Yes, yes. And Grovel, the robot who's constantly saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mesta, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's uh, a constantly groveling.
2: Yeah, but we mustn't forget that, um, that Baron Greenback had his backup, and that was the uh, Stiletto the Crow.
0: Yes, um, yes. Which is interesting digital. is that. In uh, when it was distributed in the U.S. Now I I recorded the stuff back when it was on like Nickelodeon and I need to kind of go back and rewatch it because I've gotten the DVD when it came out on DVD I've just been watching the DVDs since because why go back to old re- recorded VHS tapes? But uh, apparently when it was uh, distributed in the U.S. they changed uh, Stiletto from an Italian accent to a Cockney accent not to offend Italian Americans and and but on the BB on the DVD it's been restored to its original um voice so it's uh interesting note there
2: I mean, the, the whole joke is he's he's a he's a, a raven or a, a crow or a black
0: i think he's a, uh, he's a crow
2: he's supposed to be a crow and he's got you know it's a, a, a pointed beak and he's called stiletto as in the stiletto knife which is an italian uh dagger and that's where the joke was um, oh. sitting because he's, you know, he's got this Italian accent. He's called stiletto. I mean, hello. <laughs> uh, I think somebody missed the, the joke there. Um, like I say, there's a lot of jokes that are hidden. And
0: well, just like, like Rocky and Bow Winkle in the U.S. Had, uh, were geared for both younger viewers. And, and if you're an older viewer, there were jokes there that the younger viewers, that may have gone over the heads of younger viewers, but the adults could appreciate. And I think that's the same thing here with Danger Mouse. Uh, He had a, uh, Baron had also had a a little, like a white cat, but it was a caterpillar named uh, Nero. And um, he was um, sort of the, the, uh, aside from Stiletto, was uh, Baron's little sidekick. There was also Leatherhead, which was another crow, which was only in the first few episodes, and then they kind of disappeared.
2: Yeah, because the the main thing is that uh, Danger Mouse and, Penfolds, Colonel Kay, and Stiletto, quite interesting, all appeared just about in all episodes. Stiletto only was never in one episode in the entire series, so.
0: Well, uh, another interesting thing while watching the series is that well a couple interesting things one is that they they live in London but apparently London is deserted because I guess to save on the course of animation there's whenever they leave the the pillbox or or travel anywhere in London you never see any other people unless it's a character that you know is, plays a part in the story but otherwise there's like no background people unless they need it there but, but otherwise London looks deserted uh, another caveat or another little Inconsistent, uh, inconsistent thing is aspect their, their, their size rather is inconsistent because they they live in a police um, I keep on saying that they live in a pillbox. <laughs> too much for Doctor Who here. Pillbox, easy. Pillbox. They, they they they're small. They're they're mouse size and hamster size. Though in the same episode, they could be interacting with a human and now they're human size, uh, you know. So sometimes the scale varies uh, from episode to episode. There's like one episode where I think with a milk truck and it parks and it looks like it's full size. Yet then the, the driver goes into the pillbox and obviously he's small now. So it could actually vary from episode to episode or within the same episode. Sometimes um you know the scale isn't—it fluctuates, but that's okay. Well, it, it's to do that in Doctor Who with sharks, so <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's it's a um, it's a fun series, and if you haven't checked it out. Uh, it's available in the U.S. on DVD. It's, its I'm not sure if it's shown anywhere, unfortunately. It would be great if it was. And like I said, I discovered it on Nickelodeon back in the 80s, and it would be great if, um, I, you know, stuff like this, even like the, the classic Doctor Who and um, Blake 7 and all these series, which I really wish had some exposure. I really wish there was like a sci-fi channel in the U.S. that would show this stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Instead of that...
0: Oh, I'm going to behave myself. Yeah. Behave yeah. Myself. We get wrestling and other stuff on that other channel.
2: And, and sharks that are octopuses at the same time. Yeah. What's that,
0: <laughs> I have no idea. So uh, yeah, I recommend checking it out. It's always been a favorite series of mine, and the humor is there, the intelligence is there. It has a narrator that is you know introduces the story and closes the story, and many times he'll be talking to you, the audience as well, or or the characters themselves might interact with them. So it has that going for it as well.
1: I mean, we've we've already mentioned, you know, that it is is science fiction in that sense. We've already mentioned that it it, it relates some with other programs, but it was really also a spoof of uh, James Bond and Danger. Definitely,
0: Man. yeah, and, and uh, Danger Man, right? Yeah, yeah. Patrick
1: McGoon one. That, that was the one he did uh, prior to
0: um, Prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah, which many people just thought was the same character when the Prisoner came out. All right, well, that's uh, Danger Mouse. It's a great series. Uh, like I said, it's always been a favorite of mine. It's, um, it's a lighthearted animated series, so if you have a chance, check it out. Any other final thoughts before we wrap up today's show?
2: Oh, chief! <laughs> <laughs>
0: a short post-production note concerning our discussion about Danger Mouse. I was calling his headquarters which is a British mailbox, a pillbox. It's actually a pillar box, which I knew, but I was having, a, you know, brain problems at the time. So I do apologize for that confusion. All right, well, I guess until next time, thank you for listening to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and I want to thank both Dave and Graham, and I want to give them a chance to let um, them tell you where you can find them. They both have their own podcasts, so... Um, So I guess since I introduced Dave first, let me first, let me hand it to Graham first this time. And Graham, where can people find you?
2: Right. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at the numeral two nd doctor. Uh, so it looks like the second doctor with the second reduced to number two. And, uh, I'm also on Facebook there. Basically my sort of full discipline titles, Graham, the second Dr. Sheridan, uh, podcast is uh professor how the doctor who parody podcast so if you like big finish but want to have a bit of a laugh with it uh because big finish seems to get a bit serious uh and doesn't sort of hold the jokiness uh that the original doctor who had um you can find me there or my own the second doctor's podcast uh, where i review anything doctor who just not what's current. Uh, if I look at what's current, I try and go completely opposite direction and usually often a tangent. So cool, you can find it me
0: and Dave.
1: Well, uh, if you want to know mainly about the other podcast I do, that's the Cultum Collective with Ian the Sixth Doctor, and we have a blog at cultum.com and on uh, Twitter, I'm Dave AC, that's just all one word, and uh, just uh. Yeah, join us, if you can, with The Cult Collective. We do it live on Sundays, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, you'll find the
0: topics on that Talkshoe page. Fantastic, and they can follow you on Twitter at Dave AC. Yeah. All right, well, thank you both once again. It's been a fantastic show. I had a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be back next time for more Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Thanks for listening to The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Send feedback to feedback at Hitchhiker's to British Sci-Fi To support this podcast, please visit ArtTrap.com and hit the donate button. It's the only way we can bring you this show. You can also visit the shop there and get your Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi swag, which includes shirts, mugs, and assorted trinkets with the show's logo. If you're not already a listener, be sure to listen to Doctor Who Podshock. It's the Doctor Who podcast you don't want to miss. Go to podchock.net for details. This is Lewis Trapani, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Trapani. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Please visit arttrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.